0: I have a favorite game I like to play and I bet there are quite a few out here who also have played this game. It's, it's a game in which I'm the monster and I chase my grandson. And so when he comes over, it doesn't take long before we're running in circles around the inside of my house. We can make full laps inside and we, things that just get cleared out of the way and we're going full speed around as, as his mother probably looks disapprovingly, but, but I'm the monster and I'm going to eat him if I catch him. And so he's half scared and terrified and half squealing with laughter as we run around and run around. And finally I'm out of breath and I say, okay, you got away. And he'll say, no, Pop, keep chasing me. Come on. So I keep going. Sometimes I enlist uh, one of my other sons to help so that I can catch up with Andrew. And so his anxiety as I'm chasing him around, he's fleeing as fast as his little feet can go. His his screams of nervousness mixed with laughter. And then finally, when I catch him, what do I do? I embrace him in love. And tell them how much I love them. And so all of that anxiety is released in laughter. I think, in a way, that is what the season of Lent is meant to be as a possibility for the church for us to realize that life does not have to be an endless, anxious race but rather can be a time to quit running and uh, and allow ourselves to be caught in the embrace of God. So we come to this Holy Week and finally to this Palm Sunday. It's really been a long time coming. In Luke, way back in chapter 9... Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so all along through the narrative of Luke, we have this destiny, this destination. And along the way, Jesus has come to realize that the how of God's reconciliation will be difficult. But he's never really questioned his why because he's solid in his identity as the beloved of God. It was Frederick Nietzsche who said, the person who has a why in life can bear almost any how. In other words, the person who has a purpose, who can answer the question, why should I live? can bear almost any circumstance that comes their way. And Jesus came to this clarity. And so, finally, he arrives in Jerusalem after a long, confusing, indirect journey in Luke. He's come to Jerusalem's outskirts a couple of times, but then goes somewhere else. He's wandering around indirectly, kind of like his ancestors in the wilderness who spent an inordinate amount of time to cross the desert, but along the way each day they were encountering the presence of God in the manna and the quail, while also encountering threats to their lives and their faith. And it is not only the journey of those ancient people, but it is The church's Lenten journey, our journey of struggling discipleship as we live through wins and losses, betrayals and faithfulness, joys and sorrows. Finally, Holy Week. It begins with some kind of a parade, we think, and ends with bewilderment and amazement of stories of an empty tomb. In between, some things keep getting in the way. Some of these things are chronicled right here in our sanctuary in the 14 stations of the cross. So you might want to look at some of those when you get a chance, as Emily suggested. But for now, I'd like to read just a portion of this, and it's Luke's story of what we would call the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Let us listen for God's word, and it comes to us in the message translation. After saying these things, Jesus headed straight up to Jerusalem. When he got near Bethphage and Bethany at Olive Mountain, he sent two disciples with instructions, go to the village and Soon, when you enter, you'll find a colt tied up, one that's never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me, and if anyone says, what are you doing, say, the master needs him. So the two went and found the colt, and as they were untying it, the owner said, what are you doing, untying my colt? They said, the master needs him. They brought the colt to Jesus, and then throwing their coats on its back they helped Jesus get up on it. And as he rode, the people gave him a grand welcome, throwing their coats on the street. Right at the crest where Olive Mountain begins to descend, the whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise over all of the mighty works that they had witnessed Jesus doing and they yelled blessed is he who comes the king of God that comes all is well in heaven and glory to God in high places but some Pharisees from this crowd told Jesus you need to tell your disciples to get under control but Jesus said well if they were to keep quiet The stones would do it for them, shouting praise. When the city came into view, he wept over it. If you had only recognized this day and everything that was good for you, if you knew what made for peace, but now it is too late Getting to the temple, he began to throw out everyone and everything that was selling something. And from then on, the high priests and the religious scholars and the leaders of the people were trying their best to find a way to get rid of him. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. So, I don't know about you, but as we enter Holy Week, even though this Sunday is, it began with, with the fun of children and the beautiful opening hymn, we know kind of how this thing ends. It's kind of like when you're watching a game some kind of sport on TV and there's an injury and they say, let us see exactly what happened in slow motion. And they want to show you the injury up close in slow motion. You know, I don't need to see that. I don't want to see the dislocation or the broken bone or, or whatever it is. I just, I turn away from that. And it's almost like there's a part of us that wants to turn away from where this all is headed this week. But this is our final Lenten discipline this last leg of the spiritual journey that we have undertaken in Lent. It is hard, harder than watching a slow motion car crash or fracture. This so-called triumphal entry, if one were to be somewhat cynical about it, is like celebrating last fall's Jaguar victory over the New England Patriots. Oh, it was a big deal at the time. They were the defending champions and they came in here and we beat them and we, we got revenge and we were undefeated. But we all know what happened after that. And so here we are, knowing that today's shouts of praise end just in a few days with shouts of derision. And we may be just a little suspicious about our own participation in the story. So Luke's telling of the triumphal entry of Jesus is a bit more subdued. The whole city doesn't turn out for the parade. It's a crowd of people but it's mostly the people who have been followers of Jesus, those who have seen some of his great works and are trying to discern what it all means, people that maybe are having the seed of faith in them. And so the parade continues outside on Olive Mountain, and just as they start to come down the slope as they see the city of Jerusalem on the other side of the valley, a group of people come, the Pharisees, to oppose and to rebuke, to tell Jesus, tell these people to hush up. this This could cause a problem. This could cause the Romans to react. And besides, they're saying things that are clearly untrue. And Jesus says, you know, the rocks along the road start shouting before there will be silence today. Today is not the day to be quiet. This is the hour that has finally come. The reign of God is finally breaking through. The time of fulfillment is finally here. And so the parade moved on but the mood was spoiled. Jesus got closer to the city, but not yet to the city gates, and as he looked over the city, he stopped, sobbing. If only you knew the things that make for peace. If only you knew. But they did know. They knew what they needed. They just needed to expel all of these Gentiles and get rid of these Samaritans who are ethnically foreign and morally dirty. They needed to get everyone to follow the rules, the rules as they interpret them. They knew God was on their side, but still, you don't want to push your luck. You want to be as obedient as possible. And then most of all, we need More and better spears and shields, better guerrilla tactics, a larger armed force. Most of all, we need a courageous and gifted leader like David to battle the Romans. Jesus? Jesus wept. Eventually, what was left of the parade moved on. It was interrupted again by some children who got in the way. But Jesus said, they're not in the way. They're a part of the parade. Finally, they arrived at the center of culture and religion. The temple. Jesus went right to this center of their national identity, and raised hell. He overturned tables, told people to leave. He made a lasting impression, offending a lot of people. And then he retreated. He went back to Bethany. He left town. I mean, really, what did all of this accomplish? Here's what I think. I think as we enter Holy Week, it's really a hard thing to live with intention through these days. Hard not to just move through these days as if they're any other days. We are children of the Pharisees, after all. I don't think we know whether we should join this small mustard seed size parade or wait and make God come through with shouting rocks before we commit. Even in this most holy of weeks, the point is not to feign elation at the beginning of the service and then sadness and guilt for the rest of the week. That's not what we're about. We have an opportunity to see life in a different way with God at our center in plenty and in want, in sickness and in health. And so we pray, create in me a clean heart, O God, put a new and right spirit in me, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That is our prayer, and it is so desperately needed, and we can't do any of that for ourselves. It's not only hard to ask for transformation or forgiveness, it also costs a lot to the one who gives it the God whose power can give us life, who can reconcile and heal, does not accomplish this as a bulldozer that just clears things away, or as a president who just issues executive orders and gets things done, but rather as a suffering mother who enters the into our hurt and our guilt and our yearning. And so, this Holy Week, the church then and today is called to respond to this suffering love. And the call is to deny ourselves and pick up our own cross. It means simply to face honestly that being a self-starter, self-sufficient, getting our kids' futures mapped out and making sure they get into the preferred school, making sure that we can achieve border security for ourselves, all of these things will never amount to a resurrection sort of life. An eternal quality of life. Holy Week, this few days, is an opportunity for us to be embraced, to quit running, quit living life as an endless, anxious chase, and allow ourselves to be caught Finally, by the love of God. Amen.